This is the Fantasy Football Podcast, where we take data and convert it into fantasy success. No bias, no hot takes, only victory. This is the Fantasy Alchemist Podcast, and now your host, Dustin Chandry. Welcome to episode 24 of the Fantasy Alchemist Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Chandry, and for today's episode, we will be doing a deep dive into key observations and trends across the National Football League for week five. But before we get started, I want to remind you, you can follow and interact with the show on Twitter. We are at FFAlchemistPod. Again, it is at FFAlchemistPod. You can also email the show directly at FantasyAlchemistPodcast at gmail.com. Now let's start with the Thursday night game between the Bears and Commanders. Now first let's focus on the Washington Com- Commanders because through the first four weeks, Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson were each at about a 20% target share. But in thurs- on the Thursday night game, in a negative game script with over 50 pass attempts, they combined for a 20% target share. And specifically, Terry McLaurin had to be the most frustrating start of the week. His target share trending into the Thursday night game was 14%, 18%, 21%, and then in week four, he went up to 26% on 10 targets, his season high, and then week five, he cratered to an 11% target share. Going forward, if you need the roster space, I think you can safely drop Jahan Dotson in standard redraft leagues, but I would absolutely still be holding on to Terry McLaurin, especially as we get into the bye weeks. McLaurin still could be a flex starter for you. As for the Chicago Bears, they actually had this, I think, kind of a statistical improbability Thursday night. You see, Justin Fields had over 275 passing yards and four touchdowns in that game, but he only completed a a pass to three different players. That was it. DJ Moore, obviously, Cole Komet, and then backup tight end Robert Tunyon. Those are the only three players who caught a pass for the Bears Thursday night. I checked. Going back to 2021, there have been 42 instances where a quarterback had at least 275 passing yards and four touchdowns. None of those instances included three players with a reception. There was one that had four, but a vast majority of them were in the six to eight range. However, let's just focus on DJ Moore because he certainly had a breakout game. Now, he was terrible in week one, which I think allowed a lot of people to dismiss some solid fantasy performances from weeks two to four. And because those games were largely negative game scripts and he kind of padded his stats with some garbage time scoring, I think some people were kind of dismissing DJ Moore. However, in week five, he had that breakout game, right? He had eight receptions, 230 yards, three touchdowns, 49 fantasy points. Now from weeks two to four, DJ Moore's target share hovered between 25% to 30%, but it was 45% in week five. His target per route run rate, which had been between 20 to 25% in the prior three weeks, it jumped to 31% in week five. And DJ Moore has back-to-back 10 target games. Moore should be locked into starting lineups from here on out, but I will give you a word of caution. The Bears have been below 25 pass attempts in two of their last three games. Moore will need to continue to achieve high marks on catch rate, target share, and targets per route run rate to remain an elite fantasy producer but he has done it in three straight games. 
However, don't be shocked if Moore has a few poor outings the rest of the year if the Bears continue to have a low-volume pass offense. Last year, Travis Etienne was playing slightly above 50% snap share through the first half of the season, and it jumped to about two-thirds snap share when the Jags traded James Robinson. Now this offseason, when the team drafted Tank Bigsby and they signed Dearness Johnson, I was worried that ETN wasn't going to get enough usage to justify his ADP. However, as it turns out, his ADP was actually a value. You see, in week five, Travis ETN went 26 carries, 136 yards, two touchdowns. He had five targets on third run. ETN's snap participation has been above 70% in every game, and it was above 80% in three out of five games this year. Furthermore, we are seeing his total opportunities climb significantly over the last four weeks. He's gone from 15 to 24 to 23, and then 31 total opportunities in week five. And there's still more upside as he runs a lot of routes compared to how few targets he receives. Lastly, ETN already has three touchdowns on the season through five games. He is well ahead of last year's pace when he had five touchdowns in 17 games. ETN should be considered a top eight running back asset for the rest of the season. Gabe Davis is having a quiet fantasy resurgence. Now Davis is going to remain a volatile week-to-week play, but he is currently wide receiver 14 on the season with four straight double-digit fantasy performances. He's caught a touchdown in each of the last four games. He averaged seven touchdowns a year since entering the league, but he is already well ahead of that pace this year. On top of that, He just got his highest target volume of the season in Week 5 with 8 targets. He caught 6 for 100 yards, 22 fantasy points. If you are looking for wide receiver help, Gabe Davis is an affordable trade target that is producing wide receiver 2 numbers for fantasy. It's great that Kyle Pitts finally had a solid fantasy game, but I don't think this is the beginning of any sort of positive trend. Yes, Pitts caught 7 of 10 targets, 87 yards, 19 fantasy points, but there continue to be concerning signs in this offense. Pitts barely broke 50% snap share in this game. He led the team in targets even though he only ran 25 routes. Now that's an incredible, albeit unsustainable, 40% target per route run rate. And while his snap participation was down because he was out for many run plays, even his route participation on pass plays was concerning too. It was only 64%. Pitts continues to be incredible on a per-route basis, but his consistently low volume limits his ceiling. From a redraft standpoint, I would still be looking to sell after his Week 5 performance. I would target Texans running back Damian Pierce as a buy-low candidate. You see, Pierce disappointed in Week 5 with only 9 fantasy points, but the Texans are actively trying to keep him involved. He has back-to-back weeks with at least 20 carries, and most importantly, his share of the team's rushing attempts has increased dramatically over the last three weeks. He's gone from 56% to 67% to 87% in week five. And he has the Saints and then a bye week. But Pierce has a very favorable schedule coming out of the bye, including Carolina, Cincinnati, Arizona, and Denver over the next six games. The Carolina Panthers have moved their backfield into a full committee situation with Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard splitting snaps almost 50-50 in Week 5. Hubbard actually had more total opportunities, 11-8. to Now, it's likely the negative game script and Sanders playing hurt contributed to the committee approach. 
However, I don't see either of those components changing in the near future either. I would be benching Sanders for the time being. However, I would make sure to start Adam Thielen going forward. He is wide receiver 9 on the season currently. He's playing over 90% of snaps. He has 35 targets over the last 3 weeks, with a touchdown in 2 of the last 3. His team is going to be consistently playing from behind, leaving Thielen to accumulate a high target volume. The eruption of Devon Achan, Raheem Mostert has become a bit of an afterthought, but he still had almost 15 fantasy points in week 5, with 10 carries and 2 targets and a touchdown. Mostert is averaging almost 5.5 yards per carry, and he still has a higher snap share than Achan, 59% to 48%, and he has a higher route participation, 53% to 47% than Achan. Now, there's also reports this morning that Devon Achan could miss a few weeks with a knee injury. And now that we're getting into the bye weeks, Mostert is an excellent trade target and should be an automatic start as your running back too. Sell George Pickens. Now Pickens had a breakout game in week five. He had six receptions, 130 yards, one touchdown. He also had a carry for 16 yards. He had 26 total fantasy points. And this is his second 20-point game of the year. Both games he scored a touchdown. However, this Pittsburgh offense has been very pedestrian all season. Kenny Pickett has been one of the worst quarterbacks so far this year, and after the Steelers' Week 6 bye, I expect Deontay Johnson to return from his Week 1 hamstring injury. Now, Deontay Johnson, I believe, is this team's wide receiver one. Last year, Deontay Johnson was top 10 in the league in targets, air yards, and was top 15 in target share. Even in the red zone, he was top 15 in targets, 8th in air yards, 10th in target share. In the Steelers' red zone target share last year, it was Deontay Johnson at 29%, Pat Fryermuth at 22%, and George Pickens only at 11%. In the red zone, Deontay and Pickens ran the same number of routes, but Deontay's target per route run rate and share of team air yards were almost two and a half times higher than Pickens. I believe Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver one and will return to that role in week seven. Welcome back to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase finished with 15 catches on 19 targets, 192 yards, three touchdowns, and that performance jumps him all the way to wide receiver five on the season. But Burrow appeared much healthier and was able to freely move in the pocket. And because of that, Chase's yards per target was the highest of the season. He was at four yards per target in the first two weeks, then was about eight and a half yards per target in weeks three and four, and then was up over 10 yards per target in week five. I hope you did not sell Jamar Chase because the Bengals are back. And speaking of welcome backs, how about Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup, who went right back into an elite fantasy role? He had nearly 20 fantasy points in his return. He had eight catches on 14 targets for 118 yards. But the real story is what did it mean for the rest of this offense? Well, for Puka Nakua, I think it does remove those extremely high ceiling games that we saw in weeks one and two where he had over 15 targets, but Nakua still had 11 targets in this game. He had seven receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown, 19 fantasy points. Both Cup and Nakua got about a third of the team's targets, and Nakua still got a target on over a quarter of his routes run. You can continue to start Puka Nakua every week, even with Cooper Cup back in the lineup. However, Tutu Atwell and Tyler Higbee saw their target volume diminish significantly in Week 5. Atwell only had 5 targets, and Higby only had 3, even though both players ran 40 routes. That's less than a 10% target per route run rate. 
Atwell, I think, is probably closer to being droppable than startable with Cooper Cup back. On last week's Don't Be Afraid to Start Him episode, I recommended Brees Hall, who was ranked running back 22 on the Week 5 rankings. He should have been an auto start, and he contributed 22 carries, 177 yards, one touchdown, three receptions, 17 rushing yards. He had 28 total fantasy points. And I think there's still more upside as Brees Hall barely broke 50% snap participation in Week 5. However, when he was in the game, Hall was the focal point of the offense with 25 total opportunities his highest opportunity share of the season by far. Brees Hall should be an auto start in your lineup for the remainder of the season. Now, I also mentioned last week that Dalvin Cook was going to be relegated to nothing more than a handcuff. Cook only played 11 snaps with 6 carries. Dalvin Cook can be dropped in redraft leagues. The Kansas City Chiefs, through 5 weeks, still do not have a single player with more than 75 receiving yards in a game this year. However, they are in the top third of the league in receiving touchdowns with 10. Outside of Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pachenko, there isn't anyone on this roster you can safely start in your lineups. By the way, Isaiah Pachenko, who I highlighted last week as a player on the rise, he had another solid fantasy outing. This is a second straight game with a snap participation at 60%, averaging almost 20 opportunities a game over the last three weeks. Plus, he has a very favorable schedule with Denver in two of the next three. Alexander Madison found the end zone in week five, but there is reason to be very concerned. You see, if you look at Madison's weeks one through four usage compared to his week five, you see a significant decrease in his usage. His running back rush share was 82% from weeks one through four, was at 57% in week five. His route participation, 54% on average, dropped to 43%. And his red zone snap rate, which is critical, was at 81% in weeks 1 through 4. It dropped to 56% in week 5. I would be very concerned if I had Alexander Madison in my starting lineup going forward. Now, I'll also mention for the Vikings, Jordan Addison caught 6 of 9 targets with a touchdown. He scored 18 fantasy points. Now, Addison is a player that I had been highlighting as a breakout fantasy option as his snap share and target share had been on the rise prior to the team's disastrous week four fantasy outing. But he did rebound with his highest snap participation, 75%, and his highest target volume, nine targets, on the season. And it sounds like Justin Jefferson will be going on IR. I think that will leave Jordan Addison as an automatic top 20 wide receiver start until Jefferson returns. So that'll wrap up episode 24 of the Fantasy Alchemist podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe. That'll help other listeners find the show. Uh, We will be back later this week with some recommendations on players you should not be afraid to start in week six. So for Dustin Shandry signing off, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Alchemist podcast. You can follow the pod on Twitter at FFAlchemistPod or email us at FantasyAlchemistPodcast at gmail.com.